This podcast is brought to you by our partners at 8 Star Energy. 8 Star Energy, a clean energy company, leading the future of portable and renewable energy. To find out more, follow them on Facebook at 8 Star Energy. I want attacking purpose for football all the time. Now we've got our backs against the wall and we're going to fight and we're going to fight hard. You've got to show me all the guts and all the determination you've got in your body. You've got to inspire me. A marvellous kick. That's as good as you'll ever see. And it puts Graham back in front. I don't know about you guys, but if I see one bloke walking out of here, give the pat on the back from people out there for a good effort, I'll spill up. From inside the centre square, boys kick the goal. Boys kick the goal. From inside the centre Hey folks, welcome to Danny Boyd, a podcast about the most wonderful football club in the world, provided you ignore our recent results. That is the Footscray Football Club, trading as Western Bulldogs. I'm Danny McGinley, I'm with Tom Boyd. You got anything to say before we bring in the guest? Oh, I'm very excited to have this guest. So yeah. we, we just, uh, we, I think we met actually uh, in person for the first time today, but I also did remember that he has coached against me in the AFL back in 2019 after I retired. Rodney Eads with us today. Yeah. Hello, Danny. Hello, Tom. And I did actually meet you, you won't remember, when you were um, uh, the year before you got drafted as oh. the, the kids and you went to Collingwood. That's right. Your club and I was working at Collingwood. Oh, I remember you course. as a I have, you I as have very fond memories of that week, actually. Yeah. It was... Um, it was good because I didn't have to do all the hard stuff, but all of the fun like one-on-ones and a little yeah. bit of kicking and stuff, it was, it was good. Because you, you, I remember we met a year ago, I think, Rocket, uh, yeah. doing a Bet365 yeah. malarkey. Malarkey. Um, malarkey. And I remember asking you, you know, who do you go for? You know, you coach the Swans, you coach the Dogs, you coach the Suns. And you said you've got a link to about half of the clubs in the league. Yeah, I've been at someone, uh, or mates bagged me about it, but uh, I've been at seven, I think, was seven the call. Clubs. Seven clubs. Uh, That's well. not something to bag. That's impressive. <laughs> it's impressive. Longevity. And uh, still friends with most of the people. There. No, anyway. So, um, yeah, so, so seven clubs. So I've been around a bit. Can you list them all? Um, okay, I reckon I can give it a go. Okay, you played at Hawthorne, played at the Bears. Yeah, which ended up being the Lions. So, yeah, really? Yeah, yeah. So, so, oh, so Brisbane. That's three. Brisbane. <laughs> Uh, Swans, Dogs, Collingwood as an assistant coach, Suns. And North Melbourne. Oh, what was North? I was assistant coach at North Melbourne before I got the Suns job. Ah. I was there for three, four years. Under two, Brad three, Scott. No? <laughs> Mate, this Mate, is Jeez, <laughs> how good are you going? This is before Pagan this got is the job. Before I was, oh. This is before I was born, I this, guarantee it. This is before, this is 1992. Oh, before you got the Swans job, I heard yes. Suns. Sorry, no, Swans. I got, I got, uh, so, 92... Uh, Wayne Schimmelbush, coach. Oh, wow. And then 93, Dennis got the job. So 93, four and five was there under Dennis. So four years at North Melbourne, yeah. How, which, did he influence your coaching style? I mean, you know, everyone talks about Pagan's Paddock and how it revolutionised the game, or was it just that he had Carey and Archer and those amazing players? Oh, no, I think, no, he was a very good coach. Uh, there's no doubt about that. Um, I think out of all the coaches I've been involved with, and I was very fortunate at Hawthorne to have Kennedy, Parkin and Jeans. Yep. Yeah. So yeah. you have, and they all inf- influence you, there's no doubt. Um, and then, um, obviously, Dennis. Uh, uh, I think I was probably as lucky to get into coaching because of Norm Dare, and I've spoken about this publicly, but when I was playing at the Bears, which is 
the worst footy decision I'd made was to go there. <laughs> um, you and a few others, I think. <laughs> but it was the best career decision because the way it worked out with their private ownership and Scase going and new owners coming in and having no money and they were playing the VFL res- or AFL reserves at the time that Norm Dare was elevated to coach for one year and because they sacked Paul Feltham and Norm wanted, some, wanted a player to coach the reserves. So it was me and Choco Williams. Oh, uh, wow. Uh, wow. sharing and then the board said oh no we only have one, one so Choco just wanted to concentrate and play I was still playing yeah so uh, so Norm forced me to coach the reserves and so very archaic and like an elite competition I'd coach the reserves till three quarter time then don't go <laughs> yeah. down and prepare for the seniors oh wow that Did was uh, I was up in King Valley last week and that's what the se- so the senior coach would play in the twos until three quarter time and then he'd run the pre-game <laughs> for like sort of team meeting and, and go off and actually coach the ones after the game I said what happens if you get concussed or injured he goes oh, one of the assistants will do it I guess <laughs> what would happen if you got dropped from the senior league I mean obviously it's never going to happen Rocket but what, what would happen you'd have to coach you yourself Captain coach. Yeah, yeah. Well, I well I did. Well, in the about round five, I think I hurt my knee, MCL. So I was out for twelve weeks. I coached right, at that right. time. Then when I came back, I played. So technically, captain coach, I suppose oh, of, the, of the reserves, which was which was good fun. And then Norman, his uh, love, in, infinite wisdom, and wisdom gave me the final game of my career, which was against the Bulldogs out at the Witten Oval. So, wow. oh, what year is that? That was nineteen ninety. Wow. I oh, anyway, played, played on Doug for a while. So um, how'd you Doug, go? Uh, Doug beat me. But, uh, <laughs> it was your last game. <laughs> it was my last game. But Doug and I, you know, he obviously he played on Dipper a fair bit, but I played on Doug a few times. Um, uh, uh, he's got good friends, Doug. So he's, he's, he's a good bloke. He's a good fella. Actually, I did. A, a, do you know, you'd know Doug Chapel. Uh, yes. We had him on the show. Yep. He told me a great story on the weekend of when he first met. Doug Hawkins, he brought in, he brought his Footscray jumper to be signed. And he's going, can I get it autographed? And Hawkins has gone, yeah, what do I, what do I write on? He goes, to Doug from Doug. And he goes, sweet, how do I spell that? <laughs> <laughs> the, um, the, the prospect of playing and coaching the reserves is one that I can't possibly get my head around in this day and age. That would be a remarkable feat. It's now I can't get my head around it either. No, no. How it happened at the time, and I, the conflict the, of interest for starters, because yeah. the competition from player to player is pretty significant, and yeah. you're coaching the guys who are, you know, potentially coming up to take your spot. Yeah, I think. It was, yeah, I, I must admit I didn't think of it in those terms. I think it was probably fortunate. I'd say this disparaging, but it was the Bears and in their infancy. I mean, yeah, it was yeah, four yeah, or five sure, years yeah. old. You got a lot of kids. Um, like in the teams I've coached, Sean Hart. Well, now we're on the grand final in. 1991. Um, oh, the reserves grand final. Reserves grand final. Were you coach? Yeah. Oh, wow. Coach. So Sean Hart was playing that play. Yeah, Daryl White. Yep. So there's quite a few of the youngsters who came through, um, actually, um, actually coaching the seconds and knew them. So, you know, there was it, w- it was very much a development group. If that's the right phrase. Yeah. Um, so um, yeah, it was enjoyable. I'm reading between the lines, Boydy. Rocket built the dynasty. <laughs> yeah. oh, you can go with that. I won't argue with that one. <laughs> that was the start of the great success. Were you there when they? I've got a bit of a fascination with the Bears. You know, they only existed as the Bears for less than a decade. Were you there when they changed their song? Because they had the one of the worst. And uh, therefore, I, I, I love never it. sang it, so I didn't know what the song was. <laughs> We didn't, didn't win a game. It's a bit like Band of the Giants, actually. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Another great song. Because uh, um, there was Dare to Beat the Bear, one of the all-time greats, uh, and then it changed to, to the tune of Glory, Glory, Hallelujah by the Oh, you're getting too in-depth for me. I know you're a music man. I, 
no, I don't yeah. know. Let, no just, I'm just going to sit this part of the podcast out. You yeah. let me know when you get to when I'm alive. Um, <laughs> and then even more so when I can remember things, which is about 2000. So. All right. Well, let's, let's go to your Bulldogs career. That's what we're here to talk about, Rocket. So you left the Swans at what year? Uh 2002. 2002. Oh, so okay. Oh, that's right. We had Peter Road. I always forget Peter Road in between <laughs> this. Me, so me Terry too. Wallace leaves the Bulldogs in very controversial circumstances. Apparently, you know, about leaving because he's going to steal your job yep. at the Sydney Swans. Yep. Uh, he still denies it, which you get plow on one day. Yeah. And get his side of the story. Um, <laughs> they Then the Swans, you know, they put Paul Ruse in. What a disaster. And uh, we, when did you, when did the Bulldogs first come sniffle? Because we had Peter Road in very much a development uh, rebuild stage. Yeah. Um, so it was the end of two thousand and four. There was I'd been made contact with by um, Richmond, Adelaide, Hawthorne were up for jobs, and the oh, yeah. Bulldogs. So um, I can't remember. I think it might have been Scotty Clayton who phoned me. Yeah. Uh, been friendly. With, with Scott for a while, but he was working there, obviously, and said they're interested in talking. Um, and uh, I can't remember who spoke, which club spoke to first. Well, I went for an interview at Adelaide. I spoke to Richmond, and I was supposed to go for an interview with Hawthorne. Uh, so, sorry, the Bulldogs had spoken to me. I'd organised to come down here on a to Melbourne from Sydney for, I think it was a Sunday, for an interview. Yep. And Dermot had been in touch and said... Hawthorne made contact and I said no they haven't he said they're going to be slow on that process so I said well I'm going for an interview with the Bulldogs and I said if they tick some boxes I said I'm not going to play off one no. against the other whatever I said I'll Thank take you. the job Yeah, take the job it doesn't and he said oh okay so they organised to have an interview on the Monday so they brought the, it forward with the Hawks with the Hawks yep so I went for a meeting in Collins Street at someone's office is this under the sort of cloaks and daggers? It's you supposed to be clandestine, but it's yeah. marvellous how it leaks out because there's yeah, Craig yeah. Hutchison outside <laughs> with, a, with a camera crew and, yeah. uh, at the end of the night. So I went in the afternoon and uh, there was Robert Walls, Campbell Rose, Jose Romero. Jose? Uh, and someone else. He was on the board at the time. Yep. Wow. And then they offered me the job. I, and they got my manager in. Um, Who were you managed by? Sorry? Who were you managed by? At that stage, Ricky Nixon. Yeah, right. Okay. Uh, IMG days. Is that yeah. right? Uh, no, no, no. He wasn't IMG. No. Uh, he's flying start. Flying start. Right. And um, then Ricky came in and offered me the job. And I just – things I needed to be ticked off, where they saw their list, where they saw their future, what was – et cetera, et cetera. Yep. Not, not so much the money. And I said, yeah, okay, I'll, I'll do it. I was, I was happy with what I, was, what I saw and what I heard. And – so then I had to – at that stage, too, Collingwood had spoken to me about going as an, a strategy person at Collingwood. Okay. Spoke to Ed. Working with Malthouse. Yes. And um, so I had to phone Ed, I phone someone else. Then I had to phone Hawthorne and Dunstall was CEO at the time. Oh, um, wow. And Dunstall was at a CEO's meeting down at Sorrento. I'd left a message and he never phoned me back, which oh, is yeah. which oh. is typical of the big fella. Yeah. So that's okay. So, uh, First of all, man, I would love to go back in time and just watch you leave that phone message just for pure schadenfreude of, of suck at Hawthorne. But I, the rumour I heard was um, the, the Bulldogs almost like didn't let you leave the, the meeting until you, you took the job. Yeah, it was a bit of that, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't think it was like, like I could have said no, but, yeah, I, yeah. but they said, well, we don't want you to leave until you agree. So that's why I get your manager in and we'll, we'll thrash it out. So it was a bit of toing and froing. So... 
the actual interview process and talking to different people there, how long that goes for a couple of hours, it was probably another two or three hours before I left, so it was probably at, at night, no, eight o'clock or something like that. Yeah. And, and how do you, when you, did you have to prepare for that sort of interview? Are you like going in saying, all right, well, this is my game plan, this is yep. what, and so do you, and when you say you go through the list, are you going like, all right, number one is Matty Suckling, this is what his strengths are, this is what I do with him. Number two. No, no, I didn't go that in that depth on individuals. It was me more asking them about where they saw their list and they okay. saw their future, they saw their finances, yep. uh, what, what's their plans, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, so I asked them some questions, uh, but they certainly grew me. It was more about my coaching philosophy, uh, game plan, uh, development program, uh, staffing. Um, so that was a PowerPoint. In those days, it was PowerPoint. And and yeah, yeah, you had the PowerPoint of it. Wow. It was still PowerPoint when they recruited me too, actually, except they had grades for them. That's where they'd gotten to. They're like, right, here's okay. the players. They're A, B and C at the moment. And then they're going to be here in two years. And I was like, well, I know a few of these players. They're not going to be there. <laughs> <laughs> Clubs can uh, gild the lily a bit. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, it was really funny because a few of them I played a lot of juniors with. And I was like, look, these are good players, but they're not going to be A-minus players no, in two years' no. time. Like, there's no way. They're too short. They're too slow. They can't kick. Like, something's wrong with them. And what do they do when you say you're coaching philosophy? I mean, is that just a one-sentence phrase? Um. No, not really. I, I think there's some. I think it's different to each individual. I don't, I don't think. Now, that's a. It's a. It's a buzz phrase heading, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. It's, it's what contains underneath that, and it's more about some keywords. And one of my keywords, coach, is about improvement. Everyone should be looking to improve. It doesn't matter who you are, whether you're 30 years of age or whether you're 17. We talk about kids and we've got to develop, but you've got to put more time into them to develop them, and they need more coaching, even though some of them today don't think they do, but <laughs> <laughs> they know everything. Know what you're talking about. <laughs> My um, generation's really good uh, to coach. But when, no, 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 they gave the example of Tony Lockett, who, not difficult to coach, not the right phrase, but he's a very strong-minded individual. And, um, but at 31 years of age... There was, yeah, I what, what are you going to exam- do? Well, he needs to tweak some things because he's losing – his main skills are diluting to a degree because yeah. he's not as quick as he was and yeah. he's not as sharp, et cetera, et cetera. But there's ways you, you, know, you can improve to survive. And that's why, apart from talent, that's why players survive to their 32, 33, 34, 35 yeah. years of age. They adapt their game. Yeah, I mean, all of, I'd say almost exclusively this, the sort of more veteran players that have played long, long times in one position – um, that the rejuvenation is usually a position change or a, you know yeah. an improvement in yeah. skill. I mean, like I think about Bob going back, um, Matty Boyd going back, which probably most people would never have thought could have happened. Pico becoming sort of a winger or forward um, yeah. under Bevo's tutelage, yeah. like those things really probably not only bought them another few years on their career, but actually gave them like a massive spike. Obviously, Bob was all yeah. Australian. I think Matty Boyd all Australian, yeah, yeah, so. all Australian no, yeah. definitely all Australian as well. Yeah. It's pretty, um, it's pretty amazing how you can rejuvenate a player later in the career. Yeah, and players learn different skills of you know how to use their body. At times, they're not as quick, but actually smart where they run and then you know they have their running patterns a whole range of different things you, you know you add their you add layers to them sure where if you don't accept and i think too it's a mental acceptance that i'm not as good as i used to be yeah that's players who <laughs> don't accept that fall off the cliff pretty quickly yeah guys who can accept that and say okay well i'm not i'm a key forward i, I can take 10 marks a game but i have i can't do that i can't get up my man anymore okay i accept that if i can give a contest and i'm measured in contests 
yeah, and yeah. Uh, and I'm not going to kick six goals, but I can kick two and help with another two or three. Well, that's a big plus. Do you reckon the acceptance of their skill set dropping off, or is it more like uh, you're not as quick as you used to be? That's like a tough thing to swallow for athletes. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is a tough. Yeah, you're not as quick as it used to be. And it's interesting with, uh, I think there's two things to that. One of the older ones is not accepting that things have dropped off a bit, and they want to argue, and the younger guns where they've got to improve and they go, no, I'm okay at that. Yeah. And they say, well, no, I don't think you are. Yeah, no, you, yeah. <laughs> you need to improve your kick. You know, I'm a good kick. Dad tells me I'm a good kick. Well, yeah, yeah. Well, Dad that's may a, be wrong. That's a massive no-no going to the AFL. Oh, Dad's I, – yeah, I did that too. That didn't, did. didn't go that well with Leon. <laughs> All right. Um, well, I'm just learning. Stop telling my boy he's good at footy. No, no, okay. you could do that. But if he gets drafted, then tell him don't talk about my dad anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I think the thing with younger kids today more than – they take it as a negative – yeah. as a room for improvement. And as a coach, your role is, apart from everyone to gel and have a game plan, is to try and make each player better. Now, to make you better, you've got to have something that needs improving. Yeah. It's not great. So I suppose the art of coaching today is probably how you get that across to that individual. But yeah, yeah. don't look at it as a negative. Look at nah. it as a way that I'm going to get better. Okay, I, I can improve and become a better player. Yeah, the way I describe um, the issue with young players is it's not that they can do anything. They can't do anything. It's that they can't do it... 80 times out of 100. Yes. Like they do it 30 times, 40 times. So the way I like trying to describe it to Danny, I think, in the past, is if you have 100 moments across a game, the sort of first to four-year players, generally speaking, will get it right half the time. The senior players will get it right, you know, 80% of the time. And the difference in the age groups and sort of experience yeah, and complexion yeah, yeah, of the yeah, team, yeah, that's what makes yeah, the difference. Yeah. Um, it's the old, uh, yeah, like the game's just full of moments. you just got to win enough moments to, to win every yeah, week pretty yeah, much. Yeah, yeah. So who was the best player you you ever coached in regards to reacting to how you were guiding them well I think you've always got a soft spot for guys who technically don't have as much talent or perceive yeah, sure. as much talent. they're the ones that are more receptive I mean, Bordy has always, yeah. yeah. always been a favourite Daniel Cross Dale, Dale Morris, Morris are probably yeah. the three oh, nice. yeah Three. I probably um, could have guessed, I reckon. Yeah. Three. <laughs> <If> <laughs> but I, you have a look at Dale, and you would have yeah. played with Dale. I mean, Dale's a superstar. Yeah. Oh. But a superstar person, like, you're giving – okay, and you come and ask questions. Okay, where can, else can I – so you're yep. searching for knowledge and information about how he can improve, and you're trying to implement it all the time, and uh, always with a smile on his face. Yeah, and, and, uh, uh, and later on I – I, I would be interested to hear what Dale was like when you coach him, but – when I played with him, he was 100% how do I make the young boys understand all of the things that I've learned. And he was the most kind, gentle, giving feedback person, which I think for the younger guys was really, really good because Matty um, Boyd was coming off his like Very angry stage <laughs> when I got there. He was actually much more amenable to change once, um, once I played with him. But yeah, his feedback was a little bit more direct. Murph was probably at times too, but Dale was very sort of come with me, I'll show you the way. Yeah. Um, this is how we get better. Work with me in the gym. This is how you live. He did it for a lot of players. Was he like that when, when you coached him? Well, he got his first game in my first year. Right. And I didn't know anything about him till so I got. So you didn't there. draft him. You weren't receiving his VHS. Well, well, he got drafted while I was there, but I didn't <laughs> yeah. know it. I, I didn't know who he was. Okay, I had no idea. Never yeah. heard of him. And it was on the back of Chris Bond and Leon Cameron had seen him play at Werribee. Yeah, right, and said yeah. he was worth to put on the rookie list. And I was, what a career! I didn't argue. Yeah, and um, what was the question? <laughs> uh, um, well, just how good he was, and you know, yeah, how yeah. amenable it, it, it was. Be and uh, yeah, he, it was certainly amenable then, but he didn't ask questions. He just nah, did what he was told, and, and so, and then he got 
you know, he in the gym and he worked harder in the gym and his body and he's, he had a good turn of speed yeah. anyway. He was really quick. He was yeah. competitive. Great closing speed. And it's just an acceptance and it's interesting. Some blokes, you talk about kicking, they'll kick it three out of ten, they'll hit a target, but yeah. that'll be a bullet. And they go, geez, I'm a good kick. Yes. And I say, well, you're not a good kick. And they're using left footers in my experience. It, it, you, you're making too many errors. Yeah. You, it's more about consistency. Oh, no, and so, where Dale wasn't a great kick, not a te- so he knew his limitations. But he'd generally kick it 30 metres, or he'd kick it long down the line, which yep. is fine, or he'd kick it 25 to 30 metres and just hit a target. Yeah. And, and it always reminded me, and I think Peter was, had more skill, but Peter Swab, who, who ended up coaching Hawthorne, Peter played in three flags. But Peter yep. just played to these limitations, and it was a really good player because of it. And you try and educate players. If you play to your limitations, you'll be a good player. Yeah. But if you want to play outside that, you'll make errors – and you won't be in the team. Yeah. And they, then it's they a fine balance of uh, quashing. Like, if you push them too hard to say, just play within your limitations, they don't have the ambition to improve. But at the same time, it's like, you can't go out there every single week and go at 50% kicking, and the five that you hit are the best kicks of the day. Like, that was always a conversation with suckers, which is like, you can kick balls that no one else can. But we need the balance between you breaking the game <laughs> open and being Dude. consistent, right? And being reliable. It's always the, the sort of... And guys like suckers is just... They always had the difficult option rather than there's an easy option yeah, yeah. open. Well, they no, can that's, see things, yeah. They, they, yeah. I, no, I'll ignore that. I'll go for this one over here, which can be a tendency for frustration. Yeah. And well, I mean, and to, to, to the Dale point, I mean, he was the same forever. Like, he never tried to do kicks that he couldn't do. No, that's and right. Even when he was playing at the end, he was playing some of his best footy of his career, intercepting, doing things that he'd never done, right? Because he'd been, you know, basically the, the dour shutdown defender and now he was asked to play in front and that was all new to him. But again, just amenable to change, really interested well, in improving. What did you say about playing in front? I remember we were playing um, St Kilda. We were really strong in that yeah, era course. that we were oh, got St Kilda. Great battles were really, Freewell, yeah. But, you know, the day all the play on bets – and Milne and sm- smashed them. Yeah. Like Dale, six foot three or whatever he was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he'd play on Pavlich and Rewalt. And so he'd play all extremities. But Rewalt, we, we did home with that because they were a defensive side. They'd generally play around the boundary. Yeah. But they'd do it and Rewalt would lead boundary side. So you'd cover the corridor and it always. So I said to Dale, you've got to play in front of him. This yeah, is the yeah. final. And that was the final we lost. Just but two thousand nine, yeah. Oh, and he played re- the mail about and that. he played re- <laughs> he played really well. But then a rewalt. Did he? They adjusted. Oh, Dale did. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Dale played really well. Then they adjusted. They just kicked a bit longer. Yeah, yeah. A bit longer and didn't go for those short parts. Well, but but s- but the way Dale can adjust to any instructions. It was I don't terrific. know if you can tell Danny's obviously a fire. He's, up and well, well, he's a one-eyed Bulldog supporter. <laughs> and I still see the umpire from that guy. Yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> this is it. This is Shane McInerney. Is that his name? <laughs> All right. <laughs> Do you know, I had an idea, Boyd. This is just a, an on-air meeting we're going to have. We should have a series of Danny Boyd in the off-season called Villains. We we'll get <laughs> Shane McInerney. We get the goal umpire from Toby. But we also get Nick Revolt. Yeah. Get these people. Um, Toby Green. You've got high hopes. I mean, Nick's I pretty know. busy. <laughs> Not in off-season. But do you still have nightmares about that game? I mean, Revolt diving for that double free kick at the start of the second half was just... Well, that was the match-winning yeah. move. Um, listen, out of all the games I've played and coached and how many of that is, I can't remember the umpires really influencing any nah. game except that one. And I'm not being smart. It's really yeah. just... There was one in their first goal, Ryan Hargrave was tackled and he got rid of it and they paid a free kick and Delsano kicks it from the... Boundary, mm. Acker's out of bounds. Oh, deliberate. 150 metres. But the, the one was the the Rewalt one where yeah. Brian had been warned. Brian was yeah. was terrorising him a bit, and um, 
and this is what Dale told me later, the umpire had warned him, so yeah. listen, leave him alone. So, of course, Brian just went up and sided to him and Rewalt's done yeah. the dive. As you would do, you, you know, you got to try and milk it. It's up to the umpire to so, make the decision. And the umpire paid that free kick. We were, I don't know, what we were at halftime, maybe 12 up, 15 yeah, up. I yeah, don't know yeah. what it was. And um, they got a, it a goal before the siren, yes. before the bounce. And they got it out of the centre and got another goal. So yeah. all of a sudden it's back to even. Momentum's so, gone. Yeah, yeah. And what, how are you and McInerney? Uh, no, I've seen, I've seen him. I'm okay. I mean, I don't have not. As it is Did, what it is. You can't change it, so nah. there's no good. Didn't he apologise? Is that what you told me? Um... I don't know it was heartfelt, <laughs> <laughs> but he did, he did. You live and die by the sword as an umpire. You oh, make your decisions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, it's a, tough, it's a tough game to adjudicate. Oh, and absolutely. They've got, a, they've got a tough gig. But, uh, and, but and look, I mean, I, obviously I'm a fan of the dogs now, but, you know, as a forward, it, like you said, you try and get absolutely every edge you can because yeah. you don't get given many of those. No, and, right. and when you get them, you take them with a smile <laughs> because most of the time, you know, the game is definitely slanted, I would say, or at least probably even more so back then against – it was towards probably the defensive side of the oh, game. No doubt. Yep. Yeah. And nowadays it's tipping a little bit more to protecting forwards, which, yeah. you know, everyone wants to see scores. So, but I do want to give a shout-out to my eight-year-old who uh, took to the Freo game on uh, Saturday and he turned to me halfway through. Oh, I was, I was a bit upset. Set with a couple of the decisions, I was. Uh, I may have impl- I may have said the phrase "you're off your head" at, uh, at high volume. It's a football classic. That it, one. Is, it is. I never. I, I always try not to swear because that you know that always crosses the line. But you know, I actually, I've, what always gets a laugh if you just scream at the top of your lungs. I disagree. <laughs> but my son just turned to me and he, and he goes, "This isn't an umpire. He's a dumpire." Like, oh, oh. Have I never heard that phrase? Yeah. Have you guys ever heard it? No, I think it's a that's good. It's a Teddy McGinley original. Yeah, and it's also kind of nice as abuse goes. Absolutely. And look, there's a, yeah, there's a lot of talk. Obviously, we we do need our umpires. Like oh, if we don't we have do. them, it's going to be pretty tough yeah. to, to, to oh, adjudicate and, games. And I think it'd be difficult for them because even if now if the Bulldogs are playing St Kilda or Collingwood and there's hate fifty fifty, the umpires have got eight. Hate zero hundred, like yeah, yeah absolutely. No, there's no one supporting them. No, yeah. So do you, do you communicate much with the umpires? Because like my theory on it was always talk to them calmly. Yeah, that's what Can I was you thinking. look at this, please? Keep yeah. your eyes open. And they and look, they were all really good. In, I think you, as a coach, you can't. You're not allowed nah. to talk to an umpire. Oh, when true, I was yeah. playing, I was very much and say, Tom, that was a very bad decision. That one, just calmly. <laughs> they, they tend to listen to you yeah, when you're yeah. calm. If you rant, row, yeah. they don't. Well, yeah, and they're they're sitting there like on edge. I said that's two bad decisions. You'll be at the country next week. You know that. <laughs> they didn't have a match review panel for the umpires back then. I don't think they watched fishing. I think one of the biggest things they need to do is let the umpires talk to the media and justify their decisions and, and let us see the personalities. Like Razor Ray, you know, I used to not like him, but then he started doing media and I realised how funny he is or when yeah. he was mic'd up and now I love him. Yeah. So, you know, if he makes a wrong decision, I can see that he's a human and, and I'm, I'm, you know, obviously I'm mad at the time, but you don't hold a grudge. Well, they do that with everyone, right? Like, that's the, the great thing. I don't know if you know, Rodney, I just released a book, um, Nowhere to Hide. <laughs> Have you? Yeah. I just, How's I, it going? Uh, it's, oh, well, I'll let you know when the sales numbers come in. But right. no, it's, uh, it's been received very, very positively. And the whole point of basically when I was writing it was, yeah, this is all the stuff behind the scenes that you don't see when you look at a footballer. Because, um, as you know, or a coach for that matter, the, there's very few moments that you get exposure to these people as people. You know, you, as a coach, you're fronting the media, yep. and often it's in difficult positions. And likewise, you look at the umpires; they're just the guys running around in yellow or green or whatever their uniforms are, and the players are the same. And sort of getting that human connection with them is very difficult. Oh, it's, yeah, it is. And I think I think Danny's right. If it can humanise them, yes. it'll make make it better for them because. Yep. 
because they do make mistakes. Players make mistakes. Coaches make mistakes. Um, but if we can humanise that, and I don't know how to justify their decisions, but at least give them a forum to say, yeah, I've made the mistake. They owned up to some of them. Okay? Yeah, right. But obviously, that's fine, but... That yeah, have to yeah. be, you have to curtail that they couldn't own up to all of them nah, because nah, <laughs> they should look bad. But 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 by the same same token, give them some positivity. I mean, you're always still going to get the the crazy supporters, no matter what it is. Are oh, always totally. just going to abuse yeah. them. But at least it humanise it. And I think the discussion with players, as you were saying, in a in a calm sense, I think I think it's great as well. Yeah, yeah. I don't think like I mean, I think the whole you know communication with umpires or whatever they what's the rule they may have brought in this year? Dissent. Dissent. Uh, that's like. You have to be able to communicate with umpires. Yeah. Like, you have to be able to. Now, I'm not saying you should be able to abuse them, and if you swear and carry on, pay 50. Mm. Like, set the... Yeah. And do it early in the game. Yeah. Set the standard. But if you can't go up to an umpire and say, mate, you know, Dale Morris is holding me every time I go near the ball. Yeah. Can you have a look at it and see if there's anything there from your end? That it doesn't make any sense. You actually want them to be more communication rather than less, I would say. Not negative ones, but again, they've got the whistle for a reason. It's just that dissent rule just yeah. Yeah, did exactly. my head in. Yeah. All right, enough about the umpires. Let, they, I'm going to st- go straight into the listener mail because right. there's a We've lot of a uh, chatter from a lot of, lot of people. I want, one, one great question. We're going to ask about uh, Jason Ackermanis. And uh, oh, I could see the grimace already. No, I've got done my hamstring, so I've oh, got, okay. I've got a bit <laughs> of pain. Is that why you were living out the stairs? Yeah. <laughs> How did you do it? You you still, got... still kicking balls at training? No, 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 no. That's how hard he's going in the podcast. Is <laughs> it was at, at Scotch College. I'm doing a bit of Scotch College as well. And um, uh, I was trying to talk about a, a kick in drill. And I said, listen, I'll actually block the bloke on the mark. Oh. I've moved two metres, that's all. <laughs> but he got around me, so. My mind kicked in, so I've <laughs> twisted very dramatically and then tore my hamstring just by twisting. <laughs> and it's a good one too. So, oh, so anyway. Coach to your limitations, Rocket. Yeah. I, 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 exactly it, right. I don't know my limitations. Well, I'm just interrupting listener mail, but that was actually a big issue. Like when assistant coaches would get injured, it like drastically affected their ability to do their job. Oh, really? Well, because if you look across the league, like most assistant coaches, uh, senior coaches not so much, but assistant coaches in particular are young, fit. Yes. That's because they train with the boys pretty much every day. They're either oh, okay. training or they're on the mark, to your point, which is always a good place <laughs> to get injured. Um, they're doing – yeah, like, they have to be fit. And if you hurt yourself, like I remember oh, – I think Gia hurt himself once and Baba hurt themselves once. It, like it, they couldn't do half their job. No, that's right. Genuinely speaking. And I, I would think at Barbara, he's a bit older than the others too. Yeah, so he he's is. More he's still ke- yeah, he still keeps up with them somehow. He can still kick, mate. Like, yeah, he's a beautiful oh, kick. He's, beautiful he's kick. never lost that. And he's, yeah. he's great at training people how to kick, to your point earlier. Danny, listen mail. Sorry. Jason, Jason Ackermanis. Uh, and this is a few people ask this. Well, you know, there's lots of just generic. Ask him about Acker and everything. But one particular question I want to ask. Why didn't you let him do the handstands? He did it one. Okay, we brought him in in 2007. We beat the Cats. 2007 Cats, round yep. one. He does the handstand. And then it's re- revealed in the media later in the week, the club have said, no, nah, we don't want you doing the handstand. We want the handstand. Well, you should have read the media at the time, Danny. It would have, <laughs> what was explained. Um, <laughs> yeah, but I don't believe the media rocket. Um, that's a fair point. Um, I must admit, I didn't have, personally didn't have any issue with it. Oh, cool. So um, it was... The time that the club decided to bring leading teams in, the great leading oh, teams. Yeah. And well, so, well, the Cats were using that and they went on to win the yeah, flag. Yeah, yeah and the Swans started it. The Swans teams. used it. Hawthorne have used it. But, um, uh, it's changed and, and, names and stuff now, I think. It's, sorry? I don't know if it's still it's in existence anymore, leading teams, yeah, or if it's, it's now changed. called the Crows preseason camp. Uh, <laughs> they might have to change that name as well. Yeah. Anyway, they, it, part of that is open and honest feedback and all that, 360-degree yeah. feedback. And anyway, so... 
come, someone brought up on one side who about the handstand. Yep. And there was uh, people, some players were viewing it as an individual act and yep. because we hadn't had success, it's about let's yeah, yeah. perceive it, uh, let's get across it with team. And, or, cause I don't understand that point of view. But that wasn't totally unanimous, but there was more than 50% voted yep. No, I don't think I don't know what the vote was. So they voted. I, I, it, I would probably, honestly, as a player, I would probably not be super keen on it. No, that's right. And Especially I, and if I you're not going that well. It's yeah. just an yeah. easy mark. Yeah, because because and the and the supporters love Jason of the club because we did. of his personality yep. and his, his exuberance and he's something different. But your point, the team, yeah. Is individual more, flair, more yeah. Yeah, individual so. flair within the parameters of a team's fine, but yeah, to the like, I can understand where the players are coming. And, from. and I think, I think it happened at Brisbane as well. That sure. you now the, the, the same friction happened, and they'd already won premierships. Yeah. And so, yeah. so you're telling me Michael Voss was keen on him doing the handstand. Yeah. Like, there's <laughs> no way. And I think, I think it's wrapped up by Lee Matthews that he said, and it's been public that he said this. He told the players, "Well, let's view Jason as a consultant." <laughs> we'll come in okay. and we'll bring That's him out for match day and when he trains he can have trained by himself so <laughs> yeah. the players were really obviously at that stage there was a bit of angst um, look he had super talent and his engaging personality mm-hmm. um, but um, just at the end he, you know, his, his body started to give way which is unfortunate yeah. and, uh, and a few things happened so that is an extraordinary I, statement. I've met him a couple of times, and uh, and I, I, can, I can you can detect your own. I can see he's got a big ego, and I only know that because I've got a big ego, yeah. and uh, we got along well. Yeah. But uh, I didn't have to spend every day with him. Yeah. But I, we should get him on the pod. That would be a brilliant one. I'm sure. Uh, okay. Well, just going back to when you came into the dogs, this is a qu- great question from Cat. Uh, what were the top three things you aimed to change when you came to the dogs, and did you achieve them? That's a good question. You got time for a little bit of a story on this? Hell yeah. Um, Having come from Sydney, where probably we're a defensive team, had the flood and all that sorts of stuff. Yep. So, um, so I thought, a, a game plan. So it'd be a defensive game plan. Um, uh, I didn't know a lot about the players. Um, knew there was five guys that played two hundred games, and there yep. was a lot of youngsters. I didn't know a lot about them, but hopefully develop, get them bigger, stronger, faster, and that, that thing. Uh, and there was something else. <laughs> But when I got, it was a training session on the November, and it's on the Saturday morning, as I said, I didn't know many of the players. So we did a bit of footy, small-sided games, and uh, et cetera. And then I, I got the group, and it was 40 players, and I said, can the senior players go to my left? Can the rest of the players go to my right? How many would you think would go to my left? How many, A, would you think would go there, and how many would you want to go there? Uh, well, I reckon it's less than I think, but uh, I, yeah, probably... 12 to 15 of the 40, I'd say. And you'd want 40, though. Yeah. You'd want 40, even though... Oh, it's like senior team players or senior players? Senior players. As in, yeah, okay. So I'd even want a kid who's just got drafted, view himself as a senior player. An elite level. I want... I would... So it was more a mind mind where game for me to see where they're at with their confidence level. So it's about, well, who class... Virtually, who classes themselves as a senior player? Now, Ryan Griffin just came, and he's not going to go there, but he's just got drafted. But I would like Griff to go there because yeah. I wanted – even a rookie, I want him to view – and Brett Kirk was the one in Sydney I did it, and he was a rookie, and he's, he popped over there. He said, no, I want to play senior footy. And I said, great answer. I said, yeah, that's see. what I wanted. But I'm, I'm like, boy, I was confused. I thought you meant senior as in yeah, an like older player. Older players, yeah, no, no, players. senior, so senior, team, <laughs> senior team player. So first team player yeah. to use yeah. at soccer. Um, at eight. 
Wow. Five of them played 200 games. And, of course, the bloke said, oh, I didn't understand the question. But Murph was over <laughs> there. Murph was on the other side. He'd played 60 games. Um, so, yeah. so, so what it indicated to me, there was no right or wrong answer. No, it wasn't no, going no. to be critical yeah. of it. It showed me that they lacked confidence. They lacked self-belief. They lacked self-esteem. And they didn't know they belonged in the competition. That's what it said to me. Yeah. So my priority then just flipped it on its head. Yeah. We've got to develop some confidence in this group first. It doesn't matter about game plan as such. And I, I thought to myself, well, how am I going to do that? Mm. And, we, and we spoke as a match committee. So over the next couple of months, um, they were really skinny. They hadn't done weights for a while. But I found we did the 20 metre, the famed 20 metre sprint test. There was a. At Hawthorne, when I was playing, there were three of us. When I was at Sydney, there were seven. There was 22. It was yeah. under three seconds. Yeah, yeah. They could kick the ball. And I thought, well, shivers, they're a good skill for team. So we flipped the game plan after when the camp about what they – it's interesting, most new coaches or young developing teams now, they say, let's build defence first. Sure. I was the other, went the yeah. other way and say, let's worry about what they can do rather than what they can't do. Mm. Let's run and carry the footy. Let's yeah. bounce. Let's back our skills. Um, so the year before, the average number of bounces per team was 4.5. We went to 44 per game. Run and bounce. <laughs> That's awesome. So we just took the game on. <laughs> and I don't even remember the, the footy we played. We, we, we won six of the first 16, so it was six and ten. Yep. But I was still happy with where we were at as far as going forward. Yep. Then we won five of the last six and missed out in the final by Jeff White kicking the goal against us after the siren. We missed by two points. So we won the five of the last six. And... And I thought, okay, then that's ticked off. Now we've so got that's a, 2005. That, that's 2005. Yep. So that's yep. ticked off. The confidence, the group's yep. where it should be. Let's develop a bit bigger bodies. Uh, we need to get more contested, et cetera, et cetera, as we go along. And then 2006, we start brilliantly. Remember the – oh, Boydie, you won't remember this, but the no. first game of 2006. Geelong. Uh, Richmond. Oh, Richmond. It was okay. Richmond who were the absolute favourites because they, I think, finished 2005 somewhat strong, probably finished ninth. Uh, but they were just like, they're going to take the next level. It was yeah. so Richmondy. We won by over 100 points Friday night. Start the opening oh, yeah, game. Right. Yeah, 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 it was yeah, so good. And then we, we knocked off uh, Essendon, Demons. It was just really, really magical. And then later in the year, we win our first final in forever against Collingwood. And it was just such an amazing – and everything. And then we got Acker. What happened in 2007? Because we had a bit of a dip year. We did have a dip. I want to relate it to this year where we're clearly having a dip year compared to grand finals we, and stuff. Um, yeah, I can't totally remember. Uh, I know we had a lot of injuries. I remember going to the Gabba one time we had six or seven out okay. of our main players. Um, that's not an excuse. I think young, immature, we didn't handle it. Maybe I didn't handle it as well as a coach either. Um and the, coupled with the injuries, we, we had that dip uh, and we battled, especially towards the end of the season. But it was a really good pre-season going to 08. And, yeah. and part of my coaching, when I came to the Bulldogs, I wanted the players to own where they wanted to head, have some real say. Yep. It's interesting, that lack of confidence, both Murph and Julia come up and said, oh, that's all great, but can you just teach us to win? We just want to win. <laughs> In other words, you just coach <laughs> yeah. us. Yeah, oh, okay. It's you just coach. But... Slowly but surely, so by, even though we had a bad 07, by 08, the players were having more confidence in owning the team and having a voice and having a say. Um, and I think, you now they got together, led by Brad, but obviously Boydie and these sort of guys, okay, this is, this is where we want to go. And they had a really good pre-season. 
We won the first game of 08. It was a high-scoring game against Adelaide, which That's was Brad's 300th, oh, I think. Oh, one of the best games ever. Like, it was 22 goals to 20 or something like that. It was and crazy up, off the well, charts. This but is why I was a big Bulldogs fan, yeah, passive right. fan back then, because just watching the Dogs play through that era was just chalk well, and well, cheese. on the back else. of, yeah, what they – Try and get what they can do, and then they, you know, we built a game plan around that. So we flipped the game plan. But I don't know if you remember. There's a funny story about Brian, and you'll probably get to Brian Lake at some stage. We but, will. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but but I did a function with Brian and the Bulldogs the other way, and a really good relationship with Brian. People blow it up in the media because, but that was the needle he responded to, yeah. and I kept on saying like some. Most of them need a pat on the back. Brian didn't. You, if you pat Brian on the back, he got comfortable, Brian. Yeah. Just, oh. was, it, was that a focus thing for him too? Because I, I played on him uh, once when he was at Hawthorne and, you know, he took seven intercept marks. Oh, he's a fantastic I, I, player. I also had, you know, five shots on goal because he just wander off the ground. Yeah. Oh, yeah, he You does. know what I mean? Yeah, like he'd, he'd he's, be, he's, I'd, I looked at once and he was 150 metres away from me. He's just and like, I was by myself in the 50. Yeah. <laughs> what is Brian doing? <laughs> you look like that. <laughs> but I don't remember we played Hawthorne in Tassie and we're both undefeated after round 10. We'd had a yes. draw against Richmond. Great game. Which one Nathan Brown celebrated, but it was a draw. That's right. Um, but we were playing in Tassie, and it was always on Brian about in those 2008, it was, wasn't the zone defence, it just no. just about to come in. But Brian just let his man lead up, like, yeah. no, nah, I'm not going there. And Brian would yeah. take it up, and they'd open space for him. And also, he had good speed, Brian. He and did, I said, yeah. well, run and carry. It wasn't a great kick, but have it run and speed, and then kick, kick it. Long, so you got man. momentum. And you can pass a ball, but he'd kick off one step. Yeah, yeah. He always kick on it. I don't kick on your left foot, Brian. I can actually imagine the one step kick from Brian. Like yeah. that's how much I watch the dogs of this era, and just you know, <laughs> and he go, just and he go, oh, I back it up. Oh, yeah. no. <laughs> anyway, we're playing Hawthorne down in Tassie, and it's a really good. And um, and three quarter time, we're a couple of goals up, fifteen points up. So it's quite tense. The boys are up and about a bit. So I'm walking around the group, and, and I get this tap on the shoulder, talking around, and here's Brian. He said, did you see that left foot kick I did in that third quarter? <laughs> it was a bloody good kick, wasn't it? I said, piss off, Brian, where you just leave me? And I was just about to start laughing, but I couldn't laugh in front of the players. So yeah. I had this smirk on my face. No, and he knew he had me. So. Yeah, the thought process of going up to a senior coach at three-quarter time and saying that is just extraordinary. Like, I don't know anyone who would do that. Uh, another story about Brian. We, um, we played Brisbane at the Gabba. And they put Jonathan Brown a full four, and they opened it up. So Brown wasn't quick, but he'd lead yeah. fast. He'd, oh, sorry, Strong. he'd lead straight. Yeah. And Brian just let him go. Marks <laughs> kicks a goal from 45. I said to my mate who was a runner, I said, Brendan, you go out and tell Brian he's got to be up on his backside. Tell him, add an expletive in there. Yeah, just yeah, go yeah, and tell him. Yeah. Okay. He said, you go and tell Rocket, Brendan. <laughs> <laughs> you go and tell Rocket. That was Boydie's fault. If he had kicked the ball first instead of trying to be smart with it and got tackled, he wouldn't have got the ball down here to Brown. So you're going to tell Rocket, that was Boydie. <laughs> All right. So anyway, about 10 minutes later, I sent Brendan out for something else. And this Brendan told me after the game. And he's got a message to someone. And Brian's, hey, Brendan, come here. That last goal, that was Boydie's fault too. <laughs> you're going to tell Rocket, he's cost us two goals. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what I heard oh. I said, uh, so I asked Brian after he said, oh, he used to see a smile on his face, Brian. So it was good. <laughs> yeah. So just with um, you know 2007 and, and how you managed to avoid a slump, what advice would you give to if you were if you were called into the dogs as a consultant or whatever? Now you know we've had a, a disappointing year. What what 
can we hope they're going to do in the in, we could still we could still make finals we could still yeah. win the flag but but on the off chance that doesn't happen yeah, but I think they've done it already, haven't they? Six, after 16, they had a dip in 17 and then, yeah. then came back. So I, I would think that Luke's a very experienced guy. He's going to know what the, what to do. Um, we were pretty rubbish in 18 as well. Sorry? We were pretty rubbish in 18 right, oh, too. Okay. So I'm I hoping it's I can't remember that back that. Oh, it doesn't linger. Yeah. Um, from an outside's point of view, and this is just on a full footy sense, this has nothing to do with personalities yeah. or connection and dealing with the individuals and the psychology of it all. I, I think... Footy evolves so quickly. I don't know whether the Bulldogs have evolved their game mm. over the period of time, which is such a – or keep the same handball and their mids, yep. but add some layers to it. It yep. seems to be – and I think teams, uh, A, have worked them out, but really concentrate on what their one wood is. And I think they, I think they can keep their one wood. I don't say you throw that out the uh, – but, I mean, just add layers to it so there's different ways so they're not as predictable at times. Yeah, All I right. think the other thing is like I've never seen a, a change in the rule set affect the team as much as it affects us in seventeen. When they removed that third man up, third man up, yeah, like and you know we found there's I I know exactly how it happened, um, uh, and it happened four four weeks before the season started. Like, which threw our entire... It's crazy. Like, it, it, it was one of the most insane things. And it was all backed on, like, you know, basically we got told as a group, it's like, this is what they're talking about, but, it, like, there's no way they can put it in now. Like, it's too soon. Too, too close to the season. Like, the next day. It's in. Oh. And you're like, how... This is, you know, months after trade period is done. Like, how are you supposed to adjust your team composition? Yep. Especially when you're playing... Like we played undersized Ruckman, you know, basically the entire... We're still playing undersized Ruckman for the most part at, at the Dogs. Um, well, my question to you are based on, like, the rejuvenation thing is... One of the things that I think... I mentioned to Danny actually this morning is... It's much harder to tell uh, a story the 25th time or to rejuvenate a, a yes. group of people the 25th or 27th yep. time yep. that you do it because you do need to do it through the season as well often um, as opposed to when you first come in and it's fresh and it's new and it's yep. exciting, no the doubt. expectation is lower. How did you find, because you obviously accomplished it, how did you actually get that rejuvenation after you've been with a group for a time and it can be stale and it can be similar? What was the sort of levers you pulled yeah. to get? I think I... I I'll go forward a, a quick step. I think I failed on that at the end of the Bulldogs because I had the players had achieved a bit. I stuck with them yep. a lot. And looking back, I probably needed to turn that list over earlier. Sure. So from a selfish point of view, have new ears. Yep. I was having the same ears, but they were probably, for a club point of view, and I think Clarkson's did that well at Hawthorne, even though they got a bit of angst with the older blokes. It was the right decision. Yep. To, to move out So I probably needed to revitalise the list earlier uh, From my point of view But I think you can tweak You tweak the message um, and Changes to the game plan are always Is always refreshing as well Yeah. Or add layers to it And you say oh shit this is new This yep. is new what we're doing We're practising new Okay we're, we're kicking short more Or we're running overlap handball Rather than just kicking long Or yep. um, our entries inside 50 are, You know we've got some patterns And some some method Rather than just get it in there And see how it goes um, yeah, yeah. I mean some whole range Of different things you can add to that Which add, you give players More responsibility as yep. well um, Have to give them more points So they own the team more and, and, and I'm a really big believer in that I mean people get told What to do all the time And you get sick of being told What yeah. to do If yeah. they can own it And they can drive it and as a coach, you can still mould that the way you want it, where you want to go. But at the same token, some good ideas will come out of it. Yeah, and that's even like that's even if the message is right. You know, yes. if you'll get even if the coach is saying the right thing, 
if you've been with them for a long time. It's yeah. very hard to go, oh, I'm inspired, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And I think when Luke came in, the thing that he basically did, which was kind of similar to, to you when you got to the Bulldogs, which I found really interesting, is basically said, you guys just need to learn to play football together. Like, yeah. and you need to learn to play to your strengths. Yeah. Um, we don't need to go and do this revolutionary change your physique. Or I mean, like, I know that you had that, but it was more like instead of running and doing all these laps, because that's what you've been doing for the last four years, is just getting fit. You're going to go and actually play football together. And the whole preseason is learn to play, learn to connect. The best players will come out on top. Um, what was uh, what, what would you say was the sort of um, the the reasoning behind you think hanging on to those players a little bit too long? Because because I know you were talking about you know players needing to always want to improve and yeah. is it just it's sometimes it's just time right? You just yeah it is. And I think you now there's a there was a few on the way. I don't think all of them, but maybe some staggered for to when they were really. Maybe on the on the yeah. on the wane to be able to put some younger kid in, and I think um, and it, it was just some confidence in them. I think yeah. had, had some confidence, had some chats with them, had belief in their because uh, they've done it before. Uh, they were really honest group. They were yep. a really honest guy. So you 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 got a bit of trust with that as well. Um, so you're always thinking that they're like maybe they'll you know they've had four or five slower games. But yeah, next they'll, week. They'll, they'll come back in. Yeah. Probably not even that. Probably two or three, and yeah, it was just, or they'd have a good one every third yeah. one, yeah, and yeah, yeah. keep you. But I just looking back, being critical myself, that probably I just needed to uh, make the hard decision, which I wasn't afraid of, but I just had confidence in in certain players. Yeah, I'm certain. Talking of uh, players, uh, sometimes you have the messaging too much. One story that uh, we've talked about here on uh, Danny Boyd, uh, when you went to Baldwin. Uh, there was apparently, according to legend, a certain player, I, w- I won't say who, but he's in the top three of AFL players who've been on Big Brother, <laughs> uh, who was getting a massage playing for ball. And you walk in, you, you've had him before at the Suns, and uh, he saw you. Daniel. <laughs> never his, never his saw name, him. His name never saw orange. Him. Never saw him at... But apparently you, know, you came in and he went, oh, I can't deal with Rocket. <laughs> Is there any truth to this story? Well, I never saw him at Bourne. Right. <laughs> so I think the reason was that Marty Pask was his yes. manager who coached Nord. Yes, still does. Martin was coached before I got there yep. and Martin was moved on. And I think there was a bit of angst a, with the club and with me and I had nothing to do with it. But I think there's a bit of hope. So once... I got there. I think the players that he managed yep. were ones. Okay, I'm yeah, going to yeah, go. Okay, all right. That's not as good as the story. It's not as funny. The, the story. Real. The story is funny. The <laughs> truth has really ruined that story. All right, let's go a few. It actually right. makes a lot more sense. There's, uh, many people have asked uh, uh, about Will Minson, <laughs> and uh, by the way, my favourite insult of all time: the dumbest smart bloke ever. <laughs> <laughs> So, because my look, I'm very proud of my boy. For an eight year old, he is he's already smarter than me with a lot of academic stuff, which isn't that hard. No. But uh, but you know, he's eight, so occasionally he does leave you know his shoes in the middle of the floor, and I'll just go, "You are the dumbest smart bloke in this house." <laughs> Everything. But um, what you know, people just asking, what was your reaction to that spray they got leaked? Is it real? Uh, um, look, it's real, but it's doctored, and the fact that it's over two and a half hours of a game, right? So it's. Yeah, yeah. It's been squeezed into a minute. Like That's called a Frankenbite in TV Yeah, world. it's probably even less than a minute. So it's uh, – and that's – when I first heard it, I was embarrassed. Yeah. I'm sorry for Will. 
Because yeah. at the time, Will didn't know about it. No, there's only people in the box. Yeah. And I think the biggest indicator, like everyone, everyone has spoken to me said that they like it and said it's funny, but I didn't find it that funny. But no. um, was when I'm going off my tree and saying, get him off, get him off. And Leon said, shut up, Rocket. Um, I can't hear. And I went, oh, yeah, okay, no worries. And that's what it's like in the box. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And say all the <laughs> that's time, what they you can say, and I, I could be up over anxious and then just drop it down in two seconds. Yeah. Go, yeah, okay, no worries. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm lucid and clarity. Yeah, no worries, mate. But they just put, they just squeeze, which they're going to do. They just yeah. did, doc, no, edited it so it made it like it was just ongoing. But yeah. it's over two was and a half. Was that, um, was Leon that person for you? I mean, every coach almost needs yeah, one in the yeah, box, right? Yeah. Just pretty much yeah. the calm head to say, just relax. Because yeah. the thing I always try and tell people is you actually want your coaches to be emotional and creative because that's the only way to be the best. Mm. Because it's, yeah. it's, a, it's a, a creative yeah. game. Yeah, and I think what's happening now with the TV camera so invasive, and I found it when I was coaching, they don't want to be perceived as that. Yeah. So they're they're, yeah, they're, they're actually yeah. their minds going to that angle, not on the game. Yeah, about yeah, like, yeah. Uh, and you can see them look at the camera and go, I I, I want to say something. I better not say something. Or hold, have their ma- hand over their mouth. Yeah. Whatever. But I I know it's counterintuitive, but I found that I thought more lucid when I was. Yeah, in, a, up. in an anxious state. Before a game, I was cracking jokes with players. Yeah. Like, just in that two hours in the box, I f- I tried to curtail it, but I wasn't at my maximum operative about moves and what was best to do. So anyway, yeah. it, uh, uh, people, uh, some people like it, some people don't. Yeah, uh, my um, my dad's got this theory because he was a, he's he's coached a bit in his his lifetime, which was you get like two sprays a year, like to the team, where you basically pull them in, and you know, back in those days, it was pull them into the showers, shut the door. You'd abuse them all because they were just really not like playing up to stand. There was something that was just fundamentally wrong. But you could only do it basically twice a year because otherwise people just become numb to it. Uh, that's right. What, what, how did you sort of balance that out? Because, again, like you had obviously individuals who needed the, the kick up the bum, let's say Brian. You also had players, I'm sure, that needed a bit more hand-holding. How did you balance out like the full team, you know? Yeah, it was an interesting. You'd, sometimes it was theatre. Yeah. Uh, about... Or, oh, okay, yeah, a bit yeah, of a yeah. shock to wake them up, like six goals down, we had a bad quarter because they're just not switched on, you can tell yep. that. Um, other times, individuals, I generally in front of the group, didn't really harangue, harangue individuals, um, but it'd be more about, boy, we need more from you, we've got yeah, to lift, yeah, yeah. etc. Um, but uh, I, I put my, everyone calls them sprays, but challenging words were in a box of, Bit of theatre, couple, yep. couple yeah, of, of theatre. There'd be some that were called for, and you and you mould that to suit the group. And other ones it'd just be Emotional. a full on, yeah. Give, but you only have a couple. Yeah, yeah, you only have two or three. Yeah, that's a, that's it. So, yeah. but but you generally think about it before it happens. Yeah, and I think this I know, is where you're greatly mischaracterised. Yeah. Like the like the, the, the obviously the nickname Rocket and like like just the the my memory of you coaching was all they spoke about was how angry you were. But, you know, I can't imagine that's the case because the team wouldn't have been successful knowing how football clubs work. And I think that the, the actual fact that when you, when you talk about the actual emotion, the actual three types of sprays, quote-unquote, but also the fact that you do think about it when you're walking down the race to go, okay, this is what they need now. Yeah. Not, I'm just really angry. I'm going to yell at them like a petulant child, which yeah. I think the media do a terrible job of representing. Yeah. And... Um 
No, no, no. That I had a pretty good relationship. I like to think I had a reasonable sense of humour. Not as funny as you, Danny, but um, <laughs> hey, um, he gets paid to be funny. So, so you'd, have, you'd have you'd have jokes with players and talk about their footy, have connection and that sort of thing, and have have discussion. Um, I was probably a bit more distant from the player I tried to be yep. than maybe what they are now, but that was on purpose. Especially some that I was reasonably friendly with, like Brett Johnson, all those sort of guys. You'd be yeah, really sure. friendly with them and. And what I found with the Bulldogs players more than anywhere else, how generally most of them were honest about their performance. There was a real reality amongst them. Oh, that's good. So, so you didn't have to. Yeah, yeah. I mean, with the sprays, it was more about Brian was targeted because. <laughs> yeah. And in the end, I said to Bri- I said to Brian, I said, Brian, I'm sick of doing this. Yeah, yeah. And he said, I am too. I said, Well, can you just do what you're told? Can you just? Can you just? I said, "Come, can you just do what your teammates want you to do?" Because they'd get into him as well. Yeah. He said, "Yeah, yeah, okay, that's a good idea. Okay, yeah, no worries." Um, but that was, and, and I said to him, "I said every time I give you a burst, I said I get a response." Yep. I said, "What does that tell me? I've got to keep in your a cattle prod." Yeah. And I said, "I don't want to do that." Nah. Um, so and he's probably growing to rely on it almost, yeah. And he said, "Yeah, yeah, uh, <laughs> probably right." It was interesting, do- interesting one day because Brian was always, um, always wanted to play full forward. Yeah, go and tell Rocket I want to play uh, full yeah. forward. <laughs> go and tell Rocket I want to play full forward. Play? Yeah, Brian. I said, "What about your chasing?" Ah, oh, yeah, I don't know about that one. But he said, <laughs> "So one day we're playing in um, Perth." We're playing the Eagles at Subi. <laughs> I'm, I'm guessing I can already tell how well this went. <laughs> so I get a call 7.30 in the morning, match day, physio. Uh, Brian's done his back. He, um, he can't play. He doesn't think he'll be able to play. I said, oh, okay. I said, you go and tell Brian. If he can play, I'll play him full forward. So Brian plays. Brian, <laughs> Brian's right. Ten minutes in the sec- first quarter, I put him to full back. <laughs> <laughs> Did he get a goal? No, he didn't, didn't nah. touch it. <laughs> All right, we know you've got a you've got a run. Yeah. Uh, so I was going to ask three more questions, but I'll, I'll put it no, down no, to one. Okay. We okay. know that you already. Uh, well, the, the the question we always ask: Who do you think should have won the twenty sixteen Norm Smith? Tom Boyd, correct. <laughs> uh, do you think uh, Scotland should have another independence referendum? <laughs> Yes, correct. <laughs> and finally, this is my favourite question of all the all the listener mail we got. This is from Carl Hargraves. If you coached our list from 2015 to now, would we have three or four flags? <laughs> <laughs> I would have happy with one. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and so you're still coaching Baldwin. You're at Scotch. Where can we? Where can people get on the on the rocket clock? A rocket clock. Uh, yeah, if, uh, I suppose uh, scaling down in life. But uh, you coach Baldwin. Uh, Director of Coaching at Scotch College. I work for a government agency with schools with dads. Um, ATO, we get it. Yeah, ATO, yeah. Um, it's AML, isn't it? The money laundering. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, I do a little bit of media here, RSN, with, with yep. Daniel Harford oh, yeah, and that. Yeah, yeah. And that. So a little bit here and there, but that's about it. So you're at Scotch. So you coach Tamara. Uh, well, the year I was, that was my first year. Yeah. And that was, they didn't play a game, but no. yeah, it was from obviously the February. So Jamara was there, Morris Rioli was there. Yeah, we don't care uh, about him. Sorry? We just care about Jamara. Yeah, Jamara, yeah. So um, yeah, he's starting to show his wares a little bit. So And you? Sam Darcy was last year. Oh, right. Hey, oh, of course. She was a Scotch too. Okay. Who do you reckon is going to be who's, – who's going to get a Brownlow first? A Brownlow? Yeah. Why did we talk about Brown? Why did we talk about individual oh, stuff? I don't stuff? Want to Danny, say who's Danny, better. You're, on the, you're a typical yeah. Western Bulldog supporter. Yeah. They count their Brownlow medalists. Then there's a lot of them. It's like the old, I was at the Swans, so many South Melbourne. Don't worry about that. Why about Get premierships? Premierships, okay. fine. We've got two. Who's going to win the Norm Smith? Maybe. <laughs> yeah. Who's going to captain a premiership side out of Jamara and Sam? 
Or who's going to captain more pressure? Oh, I don't think they'll either be captain. No. Who's going to win more? <laughs> no. Who's going to be a better player? Be. I think they're different players. Sam Darcy, he'll be a, a special player. He's, yeah, he's he was a great. I think, I think Jamara will – I don't know enough about Jamara. If he can get – he seems to be of his mind right now. I don't think from, from an outsider's point of view, I think Bebo's probably handled him exceptionally well. Yeah. But I, don't, I think he thought it was just going to happen. Yeah. And, and now he's starting to – Add some layers to his game. Sam's a really good attitude from the start. He'll be Sam Darcy's got a really good forward craft. Yeah, I think he'll be a forward. Yeah, so playing I was, him down I'm back. So, I was surprised he played back. I think because of his foot and ease him into it down back in the seconds. Yeah, and he can intercept Mark. Yeah, I think if he got to senior level, look, he's he's quick for his height, but yeah. he's not super quick or yeah. agile. So you get him on a a player who will lead and consistently at, at senior level might, yep. might struggle. But I think as a forward, he's got really good forward craft. He's smart. He can make in a small 10-metre square, he can create space yep. really quickly and he's got a good pair of hands. It, uh, last question on Sam because I'm very interested. If you had to, and this is a terrible uh, exercise, one that I don't particularly like, but for context, if you had to compare him to a player in the AFL as a forward... Sam? Yeah. Is he similar to anyone? Or is he quite unique? I mean, he's big. Like, he's really big. I think he's quite unique because he hasn't got the power of a Norton, say, or a launch at Pax. He doesn't seem like he has the spring of a Danaher, particularly early in his career. No, he probably he doesn't, but he's got a... I think he's a better player. He's going to be a better player than Joe Danaher. Wow. Like, he's... he's, um, Because he he goes to the drop of the ball and he he doesn't miss many. Like, he, he, he... he judges the foot. He's got a really good footy. He's got high footy IQ, yep. which is strange for a tall player, Tom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I had good IQ. I just had, I overthought everything. I'm totally joking. <laughs> Do you know what was great on uh, when Sam Darcy took his first mark? It was right in front of us uh, on Saturday. Crowd went nuts. Yeah. And then he sprayed the kick. Yeah. <laughs> He's normally a good kick. He is a good That's kick. True, yeah. he, he's he, he, yeah. he's got some like yeah. Have a look at the Bulldogs' future. If English days, you got Norton. English, yeah, English and, is signed. And, I think. and you've got Jamara like as a half forward because yeah. he's got athleticism. Yeah, get him up higher. You've got Norton. You've got Sam Darcy. You've got English in the ruck. Sam yeah. can be your backup ruck because he's because yeah. he he's okay as well. Once he playing. starts to get some craft, starts to get some weight on him. Yeah. They just need that tall defender, don't they? Well, they I mean, like, I keep thinking... So when Aaron came in, he was a defender. Yeah. We drafted him as a defender in his first pre-season. He hadn't trained once. He did match simulation. He took about eight inset marks in two quarters of footy. Like, yeah. he reads the ball exceptionally well. We yeah. just needed him to play full yeah, forward. Yeah, that's right. So, I mean, I see a world where, you know, Norton could be a All-Australian and half-back mm. tomorrow. Like, genuinely, he's that good. Um, it's just whether you can find the goals and the, the marking power down there to yeah. replace him. Yeah. Right? All right, we should wrap yeah, it up. We're wrap Rocket's got to do a thing. You've got to do a thing. Another yes. two hours. Uh, Rocket, thank you so much for coming on. Thanks, Danny. Thanks, Tom. Thanks Great to be here. Do this again. And go, doggies. Today's episode was proudly brought to you by Eight Star Energy, creating energy for the future and power you can count on. Follow them on Facebook, Eight Star Energy. I give my childhood to that role. Of the red, white and blue sea And the knowledge that you had to love The bulldog boys and me Twenty years on, I feel that longing Hanging in September air But the reason I go every week Is to pretend you're still there And they will find the glory one day 
And I will throw it at your feet It's a long, long road they're running for you The dogs of Footscray streets Long, long road they're running for you. The dogs and foot's gray streets. <laughs>